Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 353 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday, June the 12th. I am joined by my friend, Scott Coleman, and I have one question for my co-host on this podcast today, and it's one that I've been asking on Twitter almost every night for, you know, 10, 12 days. Scott, are the Braves ever going to lose again? And they, uh, it's funny that they're on this 11-game win streak now, because I think no matter how frustrating or bad things got during the first two months of the year. And, and there were certainly some really bad games in there. It always kind of felt like this team was just too good to fail. Like there was just too much talent on the roster. And I don't know if anyone was necessarily expecting an 11 plus game winning streak as we record this on Sunday evening, but man, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And this team just really needed some things to go their way. And all of a sudden you blink. I mean, quite literally you blink and they've cut the division deficit in half and they have one of the better records across the league so it's it's been a very fun last couple of days here as a Braves fan yeah and I you know speaking of not to break it down this would be a very positive podcast for obvious reasons they've been winning every night for almost two weeks but it's kind of crazy to your point I, I kind of agree with you that we all knew this run was probably going to come I mean, not this run but a run like this was probably going to come but even with this they've won 11 games in a row and they're still like tied for the second wild card spot right now like they, they kind of had to do this uh it's one of those times where they kind of had to get hot at some point and we'll talk about the schedule and it has been friendly and it's been a talking point for this entire run but listen you don't just win 11 games in a row in baseball um by accident um there's a little bit of fortune involved always because baseball's such a random sport but this is the braves longest winning streak since 1993 scott uh, I'm going to ask you this, Scott. Uh, what grade were you in? That's 93. Were you even in school? I was. Uh, I was two years old. So, so not in a grade at all. Not there you go. I, as smart as I am, I was not in school yet. No. So that, that tells you. And listen, the Braves have won two World Series since then. They have won about a million division titles since then, and they have not won more than 11 straight games since 1993. That is an absurdly long time ago. I was in second grade. So uh, you're so I'm old. old. You're yeah. so old. And like, listen, they. It's kind of funny. It makes it easy on us. Because uh, it's easier to pull stats by month. This this winning streak started on June first, so they are they've still yet to lose in the month of June, and we'll get into some some of the stats later on that made it easy on me. But yeah, they uh, you know June's been very kind to them so far, and uh, we'll look ahead later on. But they play a couple of teams that are not necessarily fantastic teams, and this coming week, and you and I were I guess a little bit prescient a week ago talking about how the schedule was very favorable to them this last week with games against Oakland and Pittsburgh at home. Um, obviously we weren't predicting six and oh, uh, I don't think necessarily, but yeah, they won 11 in a row, Scott. It's kind of, that's obviously the headline story. We'll get into all the games, but, uh, it really is just kind of worth driving home. Like how rare that is. It doesn't often happen and it happened. Yeah. It, it takes a little bit of everything to pull off 11 wins in a row. And yes, it is true. They are not playing that if they had won 11 in a row against the Yankees, the Dodgers, the giants, and the Brewers, sure, like that, that would be insane. And that just, it doesn't happen for so many reasons. Yes, the schedule's been soft, but uh, it's worth pointing out, they just swept the Pirates over four games. It's the same Pirates team that went to Los Angeles and swept the Dodgers a week and a half ago. <laughs> baseball. Right. I mean, if that's not baseball in a nutshell, I, I don't know what is. Um, you have to beat the bad teams. And really, that's where the Braves' bread and butter has been over these last four seasons. Um, sure, maybe they're not going to win every game against the good teams that they're, they're facing. Anytime the talent level is elevated, the margin of error gets smaller and smaller. But if you look back, they've done really well against the bad teams, both in division and out of division. Um, and you only get so many games this year in the East, as good of a division as it is against the likes of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Oakland A's, 
uh, you know, going back to last week, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, uh, you have to take advantage and, and credit to them. They've done it because as we know, well, uh, anything can happen. And, and it felt like the Braves couldn't win the National League East or even lock in a playoff spot. Of course not. It's the middle of June. But if things didn't start to go well during this week stretch of schedule, I, I don't want to say they were out of it, but you start to really look at the schedule and do the numbers game and go, man, where are they going to start to really make up ground? Yep. Uh, credit to them. They, they've done a great job against these not so good teams. And at the end of the day, you know, this, this isn't the BCS in college football where <laughs> style points come into play at the end of the season. It's how many wins do you have? How many losses do you have? And, and then the chips fall. Right. And uh, we'll come back to the Mets at the end of the podcast as we look ahead. But uh, even though there are jokes about the Mets always, when you're down 10 and a half games, which it was, by the way, they were down 10 and a half games. If you don't have a run in the near future, like you can, um, like you said, you, you can't really win it, but you, you can lose your season if you, if they had gone, let's say three and eight over this 11 game stretch, which would have been very, very bad uh, against this competition, but it's plausible. It's baseball. And you, if you look up at that point and you're 26 and 35 in mid June, it's a little bit of a disaster. Um, whereas now you win 11 games in a row, you're 34 and 27. And I think that would be a record that people would have just felt was like pretty normal coming into the season. Yeah. 11 games ago was like, oh, they're under 500 by four games. That's that's very weird for this team. Now you look up and it just feels like a very normal season so far. It, it hasn't been necessarily, but if you just woke up from a nap of two months and like, all right, 34, 27 makes a lot, makes a lot of sense to me. And that's what, that's where they are. Yeah, it does. And the one thing, and there's, um, there's a couple of layers, I think, to this winning streak, which we're going to talk about here over the next little bit, but it's just the unforced errors. The shooting themselves in the foot has yep. seemingly gone away, and I am uh, knocking on imaginary wood right now because inevitably they'll commit three errors on Monday night, and everybody uh, will kind of look to the skies and go, oh, here we go again. But how many times, Brad, would you and I and Eric do these podcasts on Sunday night, and when we're looking back on the previous week, it was just, it was just silly blunders and yep. almost to a point of, okay, how are the Braves going to beat themselves this night? Uh, tonight, the bullpen just, you know, walked six guys or, Oh, the outfield just dropped two catchable pop flies or, Oh, the infield committed two errors. Like it was just something new every single night. Like historically there was that loss in Milwaukee where they became the second team in history <laughs> to lose a game when they led in the eighth, ninth and 10th innings they have been playing baseball for many many years and they became the second team to lose when they had a lead in the final three innings like it's that kind of stuff where seemingly every week it was just one thing or another with this team and thankfully they again they've taken advantage of a weaker schedule and you have to win the games and they've done it and you're absolutely right two months ago if you would have asked what the record would be as we approach the middle of june i, I think 34 and 27 sounds right and hopefully they keep going in the right direction Certainly. So we'll get into the games now. And obviously they won them all. So there's a little bit less mystery to to the breakdown, but um, we'll go all the way back to Tuesday and kind of go quickly at the beginning of the week because those were covered by Sean on the Daily Hammer. By the way, please subscribe to the podcast network where you get the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman, as well as Road to Atlanta with Eric and everybody over there, Matt and uh, Garrett, et cetera. Um, But also, you know, it's worth just kind of remembering these games again. Tuesday was kind of a weird one. In fact, the entire A's mini series, it was a two game series. It was kind of a weird stretch. They didn't dominate as much as they did. Obviously won by 11 runs on Wednesday. Uh, they were down by, they were actually losing in the fifth inning. I was there on Wednesday and that was a weird game. Like they were getting bad up to death early on in that game. And of course ended up winning up by 11 runs, but they were losing that game in the fifth. Um, and Tuesday they were down two nothing right out of the gate. And basically the entire offense that night, was three home runs. There were two by Ronald Acuna, no surprise there, but then it was Guillermo Heredia with the eventual game-winning solo home run in the seventh inning on Tuesday. Uh, and then your guy Kyle Wright, who continues to be just ridiculous, um, came out and mowed down the side, and there you go to get your uh, win, to keep the win, win streak alive. But it just goes to show you, like, the streak was not exactly uh, never in doubt this week. There were some moments on Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, there was one or two moments in the Pirates series, too, where it wasn't like an absolute guarantee. And uh, kind of, again, one more reminder of like how sort of knife's edge this kind of stuff can be. But uh, shouts to Guillermo Heredia. That's my, that's my main takeaway, Scott, from the Oakland yeah. series. Heredia's home it, Yeah, Guillermo <laughs> was thrown in there in the 11th hour, too, for uh, Adam Duvall. Oh, yeah, late the, scratch. Right. Yeah, I think he had some biceps tightness or something like that. But, yeah, you, you talk about how do you have a winning season? You have to find ways to win those 50-50 games. And 
you're right. Tuesday started about as poorly as it could. I think within literally three pitches, I think the athletics had a lead and it's like, okay, here we go. And, but credit to Kyle, Wright Again, it's been a theme, basically every start, whenever he gets into trouble, he finds a way to get out of it. And that's just something that wasn't happening in previous seasons. I mean, it's really um, wild. Like the, yeah. the, the mental overhaul of Kyle, Wright, Like as a 26 year old now, but it's easy to forget maybe because we're watching him do all this stuff in crazy real time. I know you were, you were ahead of this, Scott. You were famously, I think three years in a row calling the yeah. breakout of Kyle Wright, but right. it is insane. Like the knock on him coming into the year was like, he got a little bit rattled and got out of his plan. And like, he was not the most consistent guy in the world. And now he's like a different guy. It's like a different human, not, not only the numbers, but just the way he is pitching. Like he does not seem to be floppable at this point. He just does not get rattled and he just mows people down and his ERA is like two five and he's a scion candidate. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told us during the preseason preview podcast, the Braves were going to have two legitimate Cy Young candidates in the middle of June, I think we all would have picked Max Freed. But yeah. even even myself as the biggest Kyle Wright fan on the podcast here, I, I mean, I never expected him to be quite this good. No. Um, but yeah, it was again, it was a it was a toss up game. You basically get carried offensively by Ronald Acuna Jr., who looks fantastic. I mean, he looks healthy. It's worth noting, him. Uh, you know, he's played now ten games in a row in right field, which is a really good sign for his knee. Sure uh, is. As he's battled some things, and then yeah, I mean, good on Guillermo. And again, it was another theme of the teams the last couple of years where you would just have random guys contribute in big games. And uh, credit to Guillermo, a guy who's barely playing but came in, hit the game-winning go-ahead homer, uh, and then Kenley Jansen closes it out in the in the ninth, and you you kind of felt like you maybe not stole a win. Uh, but again, it was just, it was good to keep the mojo going after the sweep in Colorado. For sure. And then as I sort of referenced Wednesday becomes a blowout, but uh, that was a weird game early on. Uh, Anderson was just okay, but was totally fine. Um, and then they explode. They had four home runs, four doubles and a triple on Wednesday. Uh, we'll touch on this later on, but the, the extra base hit counter recently has been just like off the charts. They just keep, blasting away with power, um, not only home runs, but across the board with doubles, triples, et cetera. Um, Michael Harris had a triple that was uh, him showing off his legs. He also had a crazy throw in that game on Wednesday that I got to see in person. And it was one of those like, okay, this guy's a little bit different kind of throws. Um, you know, no, no surprise to anyone listening to this podcast. I'm sure that Michael Harris has been a lot of fun to watch in his first uh, 56 plate appearances. It's still a very small sample size, but he's hitting at a league average level and then playing, you know, elite defense already, showing off the cannon. He's still so young. I mean, this guy's 21 years old. It's kind of wild that he's out there. I was, I was telling my friend who I was with more about it. He's not, he's not a diehard Braves fan. I was like, oh, this guy in center, you're going to like this guy. He's like, okay, who, who is this guy? I'm like, I, well, he's 21, just came up. He's like, what? He's 21. I was like, yeah, he didn't even go, he didn't even go to AAA. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty yeah. wild, but uh, he, that was a showcase for him. And then it also started uh, the day after he got scratched, as you mentioned before, Adam Duvall starts coming alive on Wednesday and uh, that did not stop the rest of the week. Yeah. I mean, we, we thought this might be a real effect of, of the Braves aggressively calling Harris up and he has certainly looked the part um, but as we know, and everyone who listens knows, there were just layers to calling up Michael Harris and putting him in center field. And one of them, I think the most immediate one, was getting Adam Duvall out of center field. And we are both big fans of Adam Duvall. I think he does a really nice job out there. But again, he's, he's approaching 34, and he has never been a center fielder. And quite clearly, he just it's, it's unfair, really, to ask him to be the center fielder for a team trying to win another World Series Every day, too. Like, not, not, not even just to fill in. He was playing there every single Oh, yeah. Day. Right. And even last year, yeah, he, he was playing center field some of the time, but he was getting a couple nights off with Jock Peterson. Yep. Uh, before the injury to Acuna, he wasn't out there all that much. I think Ender Enciarte was out there at one point, Christian Pache. <laughs> I mean, he was not being asked to do it every single night. And then in the playoffs, I mean, it's a different game, right? Like, you, you'll go stand wherever you need to stand in order to be in the lineup that night. Um, so clearly moving Duvall, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that as he has gotten out of the center field, he has suddenly started to really hit. Uh, he's been much more like himself over the last 10 to 14 days, getting out of center field. Um, maybe, I mean, he's a veteran guy. Maybe he would have started to figure it out either way. Uh, but there's just so much more physical demand on your body, uh, playing center field every night, especially as the weather gets warmer. Uh, let 21 year old Michael Harris go there and, and cover the gaps as he does so well uh, and give Duvall a chance to really settle in. Because as we know, man, if, if Duvall gets hitting at the bottom half of this lineup, 
Um, it's just so dangerous, one through nine. Yeah, I saw a lot of tweets about this. I, I'm not even going to credit any one person, but a lot of smart people that I follow were like, look, it's not he's not the only guy like this, but if Adam Duvall is hitting, this lineup is pretty terrifying looking. And I think that we are, as you said, higher on Duvall than most. But between, especially the days where Contreras is in the lineup too, it's like, man, this lineup gets kind of scary in a hurry. We kind of knew that coming into the year, but um, they're all kind of raking at the same time. And uh, yeah, Duvall being alive with the bat is very helpful because they couldn't stop playing him early in the year either. Like he's a guy that you kind of have to wait for the hot streak. That's the thing about Adam Duvall always. And it was, of course, he had that famous downturn when he first got to Atlanta and people gave up on him. Um, but he's always been a hot and cold guy and he's, he's a power bat. He doesn't, he's not a batting average guy and he's going to come in and sort of have those streaks, but um, they couldn't afford to take him out of the lineup. And now they're still going to play him every day, but him having that less workload certainly seems to be helping him. Even if there's probably a little bit of randomness in there, we'll take care. I, I, I think you and Eric should take credit for uh, pointing this out ahead of time on the podcast. Yeah, it was called. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just the Michael Harris, he, he's just fixed so many problems. And part of it too, is the fact that Acuna is out there as well. So <laughs> yeah, that helps <laughs> in theory. I mean, I'm sure it'll happen every now and then you just hope everybody stays healthy in theory at some point, Marcelo Zuna might have to play a game or two in left field, but man, I mean, it's just, it's frankly, it's not worth it. Like I think oh no, if, if there is one player in this lineup who is not having a good time right now, it's Ozuna. And I mean, again, as we, we said this last week on the podcast, if he was going out there with a 900 OPS, but like literally couldn't catch the baseball, that's one thing, but he, he's not hitting. It's no. to the point. I, I think I said this last week. It's to the point, man, where if Ozuna has to be in the field, I'll take basically anyone else on the roster than Ozuna at this point. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're also better off like arguing for Heredia. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Cause at least, I mean, at least Heredia, you, you, you probably won't hit, but he'll play good defense. And we don't know if Ozuna's just like cooked, but uh, he actually looking ahead a little bit um, to the June only. It's again, it's it's eleven games, um, but the only guys who have not hit in the winning streak are Ozuna and Matt Olson. Everybody else has been like red hot, and obviously you're never going to have your entire lineup hot at the same time. So it was like always going to have somebody that wasn't hitting well during the winning streak. But Ozuna had already been cold, and he stayed cold during this time. It was like he's now found it, like everybody else has, and his OVP is two sixty five for the season, like that. At some point, that's kind of untenable. There's a whole conversation that we might have to have in like July about Ozuna playing time, contract, Contreras. That's all lingering out there. I've already seen it from people online, and like, I, you know, I'm practical enough to realize that Ozuna is under contract for several seasons, and he's not going to just get buried in June. But there probably is a dividing line where he just stops playing at all. <laughs> um, we're not we're not there yet, but uh, I definitely agree with you on, on him playing the field. Like, there's no reason yeah. as long as Harris and Acuna can both play defense, and you still have Duvall. Even on a, even on a day off for somebody, just play Heredia. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, and we saw a little bit too this week of you know, the, as we talked at length last week about Bill Contreras and Wild Bill. how to how to manage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about a guy who's hitting right now. How to manage his reps, keeping him healthy, knowing that he is one of two legitimate catchers in the entire organization right now. Uh, but we saw during one of the games, I think in the Pittsburgh series. Ozuna sat as the DH. He was not in the lineup, and yep. they DH either Contreras or Darno. I don't remember which one. Um, I think we're going to continue to see more of that because if it's again, it's one thing if Ozuna is hitting the way he has. And he is someone who has always been a little streaky, and maybe he's. I mean, let's hope that he's going to start hitting better this summer for a handful of reasons. But um, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, at least they have options, which is the opposite of what they had right. in April, where it was like dire straits. Um, let's hope that everyone just kind of keeps going the way they're going and the outfield solidifies at some point, you're going to get Eddie Rosario back as well. He was at Truist this week, taking some batting practice and yeah. So there's right there, there are options and uh, pretty good ones, quite honestly. And that's not what the case was even a couple of weeks ago. We were not in this situation. Yeah. Not to belabor the point. We won't spend any more time on this, but they, (laughs) It also really helps pitching staff to not have a crater in the outfield defense. I mean, it can be overstated too, but they were so bad as a team in the outfield the first six weeks of the season defensively that it it, helped, it hurts your pitching staff too. So all of that kind of comes into its own. And uh, quietly, while the offense got all the attention in the last two weeks, the pitching staff's been awesome. They have a sub three ERA during, during the winning streak and uh, you have to do that as well. Okay, uh, before we get to the Pirates series and some takeaways from the overall uh, run as it is, I work from our sponsors on the podcast today. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Scott, um, we'll kind of fly through the first couple of games of the Pittsburgh series. Um, it was a pitching win on Thursday behind Cy Young candidate Max Freed. Uh, it feels like every time he pitches, it's the same story. He is awesome. His ERA is in the mid twos again. His walk rate is a career low by a lot, and that's a good thing. He has a 1.44 per nine walk rate this year um, for a guy who was not always known for his like uber pinpoint command. Uh, he's just been incredible. And that happened again on Thursday. And basically, they only had one extra base hit, but it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, what a weapon Max Freed has become. I mean, the kid is, I mean, if if I had to bet on Max Freed heads up against anybody else, any other starter, and you're talking about the Braves versus another team, I mean, how how confident do you feel when Max is out there? Because maybe, I mean, there might be, you could probably count them on one hand, the number of guys where you'd be like, oh, man, this might be a tough one. Uh, that's a testament to Max. The way he has developed is just so impressive. He throws strikes too, which was something that I think got away from him a little bit at times when he was developing. But every night he's he's hitting the strike zone. Uh, he had a, he took advantage of a pretty bad Pirates lineup. And again, you just keep the line moving, and um, it, no, it's another opportunity as well to save the bullpen. Uh, among qualified starters, so you have to have a certain amount of innings and starts. In the National League, Max Fried has the second best walk rate in the National League. That's insane for a guy yeah, with his arsenal yeah. to have that. And also, he's top five in Fangraphs War right now in the National League, behind only guys like Zach Wheeler and Sandy, Sandy Alcantara, who has like a zero ERA. That guy's that guy's incredible, by the way, for, for the for the Marlins. He just doesn't give up hits. Um, but yeah, Fried's by the way, Fried's five and Kyle Wright's six. So our uh, our two. As expected, our two Cy Young candidates, Max Fried, and I mean, no, I think with Max, um, again, I mean, he's he's just the complete pitcher. I mean, he has no real. You mentioned the strikeouts. He has the big curveball. He's he's just so efficient too. It's ground ball like, rates like sky high this year, fifty three percent. Yeah, hey rate, man, really good. I, the next ground ball that goes over the fence, I'd like to see it exactly. because hey, right. I mean that that's kind of the telltale sign of how you're going. And really, it's, it's been just a theme with the pitching staff, as you noted, the last couple of weeks. You know, it's one thing if a pitcher goes out there and, and it's just giving up double after double or homer after homer and it's just getting crushed. Even when the Braves are giving up runs, it just tends to be where a team just happens to find an empty part of the field for a couple batters in a row. Um, that Again, it's just all good signs. And I think with Max, uh, there's just such a high level of trust, too, with him on the mound. Um, it's, it's just really fun. Whenever he's on the mound, it is it's always a good time to watch a Max Freed start. Yeah. So he was, the, he was obviously the star of Thursday. Uh, Friday's win was their was their ninth straight, a four, two win over the pirates. And it was uh, it was a strider game. Uh, he was good. Uh, he was not like utterly dominant, but he pitched much better than he looked in course in the previous start. Um, they got some offense from Dansby who has still been really good this year. Dansby still leads the team in Fangraphs war by a lot. A lot of that is his defense. But uh, I meant to update this. I'm looking right now as we speak. Dansby is like a top 10 guy in Major League Baseball in war right now. <laughs> yeah, I think he leads Woo. all shortstops last time I looked. Uh, I believe he still does. Yeah, he's and the guys he's behind are like Aaron Judge, Manny Machado, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Rafael Devers, Mike Trout, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Dansby. So yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's nine stars <laughs> in Dansby, basically. So yeah. uh, I'm not saying it's going to continue, but yeah, just want to point that out. He's been still ridiculous. But yeah, Friday, I think the biggest takeaway from Friday was probably Strider. Um, what did you see from him? I actually didn't watch much of Friday. I was uh, I was on NBA duty, so I, I will cop to not have seen all of that start. But did you have any observations from the Strider experience? It was a good sign, uh, right? I mean, it's hard to really evaluate anybody in Coors Field just because of the dynamics of everything there. Uh, he threw strikes, which was encouraging. That was something, of course, he had absolutely no command of in Coors. Uh, but five and two-thirds, nice job working in. He threw 92 pitches, about two-thirds of which – for strikes, which is a good sign, only four hits, one walk, eight strikeouts. Uh, when he has command of his fastball, 
and then he can mix in that slider that just falls off the plate. I mean, you really have no chance against him. And um, again, it was just a, uh, maybe not a blowout, but again, it was just a, an impressive win, a well-played game by the Braves. I think that was the theme for the entire week. And, and then you talked about Dansby. We'll see if, how long he can ride this hot streak. And there may not be a more streaky player in Major League Baseball than the way he is seemingly either on a heater or in a horrendous slump. Uh, but he is on just a crazy run, probably the best run of his big league career coming up on almost two months now. Yeah. Uh, he's, he started out slowly, but he has been fantastic since. You listed off the only handful of players who have been better than him this year. That's a really impressive group. And for a guy who will be a free agent in roughly five months, uh, good for Dansby. We, we always knew that he, if he could put everything together and sustain it, not even for a full season, but for most of a season, he was going to easily be a four or five war shortstop, which there are very few of in, on the planet. Uh, he is he is certainly looking the part. I think he's doing really nicely, too, in the two-hole in the lineup. He has settled in there. He's batting behind Ronald Acuna Jr. and ahead of Austin Riley and Matt Olson. That's a really good spot to be in most nights. Yeah, I was looking at his stats um, earlier today. This does not include today's game, but he went one for four. The double is pretty, pretty average-ish kind of game today. But it was uh, ironic. He had played the exact same amount of games. You remember two years ago was a 60-game season, and he's played 60 games coming into today. So it was exactly the same sample size. And he's even been better. And that was famously his best season by far. Like, he was awesome in the, in the shortened campaign. And he's been, I don't know, 10%, 20% better this year for 60 games, both at the plate and even defensively. He's grading out that way. Um, he is well on his way to his best season of his career. Obviously, he's probably going to cool off if you go by his normal uh, distribution. But – like right now, he's already been worth, according to Fangraphs, like 2.5 Fangraphs war in 60 games. Like he's on pace for seven wins. He's probably not going to get there, I don't think. But like his career best right now is 3.4 from last year. And a lot of that was fueled by defense. Like basically last year, he was a three and a half win player as a league average hitter. If he's actually above above a league average hitter, he's on pace to be a four or five win player, like you said. So yeah, it's been awesome to see. I think we're all deep down waiting for him to cool off. But at the same time, the defense always plays. So, like, just don't kill you on, on, on offense. It's been really the only ask of Dansby, and the defense has been awesome this year. Um, both the numbers and the eye test back that up. And, uh, yeah, his breakout season, uh, I guess it's happening a little bit later than anticipated. But, you know, now that he's 28 years old, I guess he's now going to be, uh, I don't know, uh, Derek Jeter. I'm not sure. <laughs> Jeter of the South. I see. And, you know, with Dansby, and not to do a career retrospective at this point, but the expectations were so high. And he was probably rushed to the majors – the Braves are trying to get him up as quickly as possible. They're trying to win a few games. I think there was probably a marketing element with Dansby too, moving into the new stadium. Like again, not to go back seven years on the calendar, but this is the player who again, he's taken number one overall for a reason. He has all the talent, the intangibles, the tools. Um, he's really putting it all together now. And if, if he can keep it up or even come close to this, he is going to get a really nice payday for someone. I don't know if he necessarily bet on himself because we don't know if there was ever a contract presented, but man, if, if he wants to put up career numbers across the board this year would obviously help out the big league club. And then in five months, he's going to have no shortage of teams lining up. Just to stay on brand for our podcast. I will, I have to point out that he has a 386 BABIP right now that's coming down. So uh, he's not going to hit 290, I don't think, for the season, if I had to guess. But yeah. even with that yeah, said, that's, that's fair. I mean, yeah. it's on brand again, it's hard to be too negative on anything. When no, I mean, that, obviously, but, we have to give some context. Like, he, I, I, I don't, I do not believe he's going to hit this well all season long. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be bad either. Like, he might just be the guy he's been previously, which is totally fine. Like, last four seasons, even if you throw the season out, he's been a Lee average or so hitter, and that's all he needs to be. So, He's still a heck of a player as a league average hitter. Uh, if he's going to be a 125 WRC plus guy, he's going to be a star. That That's the thing. Basically, Brandansby, at league average, he is a very good everyday shortstop. At this, he's a star. And that's that's the difference. And that's fine. I mean, he doesn't have to be a star. But if he is one, that's that's even better. <laughs> so yeah. bring it on. Um, okay. Uh, the weekend was interesting. Saturday and Sunday. They, uh, so Saturday's takeaway was the eight-run seventh inning. Um I know you saw this, but we have to talk about Ronald Acuna scoring from first on a bloop single. I don't even know what to say about that. Just ludicrous. <laughs> ludicrous he, I think it, there was a great, um, I don't even know what the right word is, animation that was in today's broadcast of Ronald's speed. Yeah, he went from first base 
to home plate in 10.1 seconds, which is approximately 270 feet or so. Uh, he did that in 10 seconds with turns and, with turns and he's doing it. What? Nine months removed from torn ACL surgery, 10 months removed. I mean, the kid is a freak. It's crazy how Chipper Jones, who tends to be right about a lot of baseball things, uh, said at one point that Ronald was going to come back maybe better than ever after the surgery and after missing the time with the ACL. This is the best Ronald Acuna Jr. we have ever seen. Uh, and again, just the fact that there's only so many people on the planet who can run 10 seconds first to home. And for him to do it in that situation too, Truist was going nuts. I don't think Dansby even realized Dansby that uh, Ronald was trying to score when he rounded third. Um, yeah. What a, I mean, what a, like a genuine freak, I think is the best compliment we can give Ronald. Yeah. I mean, sometimes all you have to say, I mean, I recommend you finding the video if you missed this. Um, but all you have to kind of say about that is that the man scored from first on a single. That's kind of all you need as, as far as context. Um, and there were no like histrionics. It was like they were throwing the ball around the diamond either. Like he just did it. He's just absurd. Um, and by the way, at this very moment, he has a career best WRC plus and a career best on base percentage and a career best betting average. So if the power comes back and it's coming back um, in recent days, uh, I mean, he could have a season where he, you know, is like, you know, 300, 400, 550 plus kind of thing. Like last year, he slugged 596. So almost 600. Um, and the peripheral stuff was still really good. I don't even know what the ceiling is on, on a cutie. I mean, I don't think anybody knows, but we feel like he probably has a season where he's like a 10 win player, which is just ludicrous. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, he's not done that, obviously, yet. I think last year he was on the way to like an eight win season before he got hurt, which is already super duper star level. But I think he, I think he can hit better than he hit last year, which is crazy. But I think, yeah. I think he can do it. So he, you can say without being over the top that he is the best baseball player on planet Earth. Now, I think it's very reasonable. I'm not saying he's definitely number one, yeah, but if you yeah. want to tell me that he is, I, I will not argue with you. It's yeah, it's not undisputed. It's no, you know, it's not an end of discussion. No other questions asked. But I mean, there's some really good baseball players. But yeah, I mean, it was tra it was Trout for so long. And it still might be Trout. He's he's ridiculous still, but he's a little bit. He's like a little bit like five percent, ten percent worse than he was at his peak. So like now it's a conversation again. Whereas it used to be just it was Trout for what like six years. Just like all right, it's Trout. Oh yeah, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he Trout had a run that will probably never be, well, we say never be replicated. I don't know. Ronald Acuna Jr. is probably the closest thing to Mike Trout early on in his career. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, even Snit, who um, is usually pretty guarded with his words and is not yep. one for big headlines. Even Snit said before one of the games this week that Ronald just does things on a baseball field that he's never seen before. Um, and that that's high praise from a guy who has been around the major leagues for what yeah. 50 years now. He's seen lots of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just had, I had to leave with that. Obviously the other thing that would happen that day was Ozzy's grand slam. Ozzy's been better in recent days after a very cold stat that we talked about last week. He'd been really rough for a while. He's coming alive. Um, Charlie Morton had a weird start. He had 12 strikeouts on Saturday. They gave up four runs. I don't think he was bad but the 12 K's were notable because that was the thing that he's even been saying on the record this year is that he's not missing, a ton, missing a ton of bats and he struck out 12. It's like, all right, that's a pleasant surprise. Um, I'm not sure what that means moving forward. He still has, I guess for the seasons, the strikeout rates fine. It's just more that he's throwing a lot of pitches and like facing a lot of batters and the home run rate is up. But I, I do think despite his pretty ugly ERA for the season, he's still been looking Morton ish in the last few starts. I don't know what you think of where he's at now. Yeah. I think, Morton-ish is a well way is a, yeah. is a good way to say it. Not, like not quite the same, but fine, Jason. Yeah, like his curveball command every now and then, you'll just watch an inning or two where he just doesn't have the curveball. Um, you know, again, he's he's 38 years old. He's he's gonna inevitably slow down at some point. Uh, but he's been better. I mean, his first handful yeah. of starts were like flat out bad. And yeah, I think you you and I had the conversation of man, like. Obviously, you keep throwing them out there every five days, but at a certain point, you might have to have a conversation. Well, no, I, I got the great, I got, a, I got a great question about Morton early on. I can't remember who it was from on the on the podcast, but it was like, "What's more sustainable, Morton being this bad or Wright being this good?" And I was like, "I don't really know. I think it's probably Wright being this good," which felt crazy at the time, but it was just like I couldn't believe Mort was actually going to be. I mean, but the thing is, it's, it's the age. I mean, anytime a guy's that old, and that old, you kind of have to worry a little bit more than you would for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, and then that's a that's a good question. I wish. 
uh, we could have dug I, I in think, on that I, I a think, little I bit think more. I think it was Eric and I, we talked about it briefly ah. on, on a pod, but like, yeah, yeah. it was uh, obviously both is not what you want to hear there because you want Morton to be good, but right being good is helpful. Uh, anyway, I, I, I do. I think, I think Morton, despite the, again, the ERA does not look good. His profile for the season does not look great. It's, it's not what you're paying for, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it too, too much. I do think that I, I have confidence for him to be better than he's been so far. Yeah, I would agree with that. And he had some really bad luck in a couple of his early starts. Like famously, he had one start against the Mets where he gave up like six singles that were just like little yeah. squibs off the bat. And it's like, oh my gosh, when is this going to end? He has been over the last couple of weeks, I think a little more Charlie Morton-ish. Uh, he's still not working incredibly deep into games, which was something he did last year really well. Uh, but are we nervous or worried about him? No, I, I mean, I'm not. Um, I mean, I trust I'm, a, I'm a little worried. I got I to gotta be honest. If you, if, you, if you ask me, am I worried at all? I have to say a little bit just because like his stack cast data is not great still. And he's still 38 years old. Like, I, I don't think that. OK, let me ask you this while we're here. I, I, we didn't plan to do this, but um, if I said, OK, you have to pick one of these two things. Charlie Morton posts an ERA under three and a half the rest of the season or over four and a half for us this season, which one do you take? Um, I probably would do the three and a half, the under three. Okay. Um, yeah. I, again, I, I, might, I might lean over on us. And I, I don't, I don't mean to pile. I think probably neither. I think he probably lands in the middle of those two things. Yeah, if I had to guess, yeah. but the reason why I asked that is just like sort of a framing device. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm still a little, a little worried. Cause even, even with what we said about him looking better, he's given up like four runs every start. And it's not like he's been terrible, but he's not been, great really at any point he had a, he had a two start he had a one stretch of two starts where he gave up i think it was two runs maybe one run across two starts and every other start this season has been like three four 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 five four and it's like all right he's not getting you killed any night but that's not what you need for charlie morton like you need him to be good and obviously kudos to your guy once again kyle wright it's not hurting them because kyle wright has been an ace basically this year but if Kyle Wright cools off or if you get in a playoff series or whatever, and Anderson is a whole other conversation. Like I feel the same about Anderson. Like I think he's just okay. He's not blowing anybody away. Um, but again, it covers up for a lot when Wright is awesome. and hasn't really no, been hugely noticed. I feel like, I wonder if you agree with this. I feel like if Wright had not been doing this, we would get a lot more hate about Charlie Morton. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's saved the team in a big way. Like we've, we've, have the discussion over the last couple of weeks of where would this Braves team be, especially before this 11 game winning streak, where would they be without Kyle Wright? Like, especially, and not only Wright, but now that Spencer Strider has kind of locked down the yeah, back end too. of the rotation, um, you know, for, for legitimately eight weeks before Strider went into the rotation, it was an automatic loss whenever <laughs> it wasn't one of the big four pretty much. And Max Freed only pitches one every five days. We know that, I mean, early on too, there was a little bit of skepticism about right and how long it was going to continue. And now we know it looks very real. Um, but now that you have a legitimate fifth starter and Strider who you feel good about, uh, I think it just, it allows if Morton and Anderson aren't great and they, they haven't been so far, Anderson's been fine. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, it's an interesting with him. I mean, the numbers overall are fine. He's been a little bit better since, kind of a shaky start to the year, but um, it yeah, might just I, be that he's like, it might just be that he's one of those guys. Obviously it's too early to say this definitively as he's 24 years old, but maybe he's just a, he's a playoff guy. Maybe he's just a playoff guy. <laughs> maybe he's just yeah. like an okay regular season starter. Who's better than the playoffs. I don't know if that's going to actually happen. It's still, again, it's like, I think he's got, he made like 40 starts in his career. We don't know that much about Ian Anderson, but he just, he feels like very just okay, which is not a bad thing. He's still totally fine above average pitcher, but uh, you know, they just, he's a mystery to me. I think he'll always be. A mystery yeah, to me. <laughs> he is. Sure. That, that's well said. He is a mystery. I think, I think with Anderson, because he was the number three overall pick and some of the, the hype that he had as a prospect, I think there was hope. Oh, we yeah. probably even talked about this in the preview pods that he was going to take that next step and become maybe not an ACE, which again, ACE gets overused. What but a number two, really a legitimate like number. Like yeah. A legitimate number two, or even a really good number three, um, maybe, maybe Anderson ends up just being like a, a non-sexy third starter or even a really good fourth starter on a good team. Like there's, there's a ton of value in that as we know the way that pitcher salaries have gone crazy. Uh, so yeah, it, it's been an interesting first two months with the rotation and other than Max and Kyle, 
And, you know, obviously Strider's only made the three starts, but you felt really, really good about whenever Max and Kyle have been out there. It's been a little more of a mixed bag with, with Charlie and with Ian. Uh, but hopefully those two guys over the summer, they settle in a little bit because then you start to look at a rotation that could legitimately be one of the best in the game. Yeah, and that, that's the hope. Obviously, that's optimistic. But if you assume that right is now this or something close to this, uh, your rotation looks like it's could be very, very good top to bottom. Everybody's going healthy. So fingers crossed on that. Um, closing out the week, obviously, you know, they won today on Sunday, their 11th straight win. Adam Duvall, as we referenced earlier, had two home runs. Um, Matt Olson, a nice uh, insurance shot late in the game. Um, I will just say in passing, as we we ripped him last week or two weeks ago, Will Smith, three outings in a row, clean, looking good, looking like him, looking like his old self, Scott. We bailed him too quickly. We're back. Never, baby. I'm in. Never, never in doubt with Will Smith. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. I mean, again, we're not, we're certainly not uh, rooting against Will by any means. He has had a, a couple of really bad outings, but yeah, I mean, I think the way that Snitker has used him too. Um, instead of just being the automatic high leverage guy, he went in today. He faced the bottom half of the. I think he faced the seven, eight, nine of Pittsburgh's lineup. I think he did that as well against Oakland earlier in the week. Um, I think you have to build him back up a little bit. Hey, don't, don't, don't cheat, Scott. What is Will Smith's ERA right now? This season? Um, I think his ERA isn't horrible. I'm going to say it's like four. It is 3.8. Yeah. yeah uh, all- people be surprised by that, about how, about how low it is. Not that that's incredible, but 3.8. Is obviously his peripherals are worse than that, so I'm not saying that's like a perfect number, but uh, I think the the uh, disaster of Will Smith has been a little bit overstated. Um, obviously, it helps to have three yeah. outings in a row, but he's actually been like kind of okay. And by the way, the, I believe the Braves, yeah, they still do. The Braves still lead um, baseball in reliever war this year. They've been incredible with the bullpen all year yeah. long, even with all like the hiccups, like column Q. By the way, as just sort of a news point, is on the IL right now. Uh, he he got COVID. But, I mean, it's a comfortable lead, too. The Braves have, like, a half-win lead on the field in bullpen war by Fangrass right now. And, like, they're top three or four in ERA. They're number one in FIP. They're number one in strikeout rate. Like, it's not going away. Like, no matter who it is, from Jackson Stevens to whoever else, like, they've been good in the bullpen. So, it helps to have that baseline. It's funny because the bullpen has been really good, which is what everyone kind of expected going into the year, especially yeah. after signing Kenley and uh, McHugh, <laughs> um, and even pre-injury to uh, Luke Jackson. Everyone expected the bullpen to be really good, but the bullpen this year hasn't been really good necessarily in the way that I think a lot of people thought. Like sure. you have the the really good bullpen numbers, as you noted, you've gotten nothing out of Tyler Matzik. Uh, we, we, of course, know Luke Jackson is hurt. Um, you know, Darren O'Day has been all right. He was someone who I think folks had a little bit of expectation for. So it's, it really is just kind of an interesting group. Even Jesus Cruz has thrown fairly well. He's not getting big innings, but he's throwing the ball pretty well. Jackson Stevens, again, he had one blow up one night this week. I forget which one, but overall his numbers are good. So it's been a, like we said a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about the bullpen, I'll take the, even if you don't feel super confident every single night with it, uh, the numbers speak for themselves. They absolutely do. Um, okay, let's wrap up the winning streak that hopefully will continue beyond today. But at the moment, I'm going to give you some numbers here, Scott. And obviously, no one should be surprised that the numbers are good for a team that's won 11 games in a row. I'm not saying I'm not saying otherwise. But during the winning streak, 53 of their 112 hits are extra base hits. They have 22 home runs and 27 doubles and four triples in 11 games. That is a very high number. Uh, that's almost five extra base hits per game. That's a lot of extra base hits. Um, they're slugging 538 as a team over the last 11 games. Um, that's 877 OPS, which is really good for anybody. Um, they have six, no, sorry, seven guys with an OPS over 900 during the streak. Acuna, Darno, our guy Guillermo, uh, Contreras, Duvall, Swanson, and Riley. And then Michael Harris is close at 884. So like, Basically, like I said before, everyone other than Ozuna and Matt Olson has been like scalding during this run. And before I hand it back to you, the pitchers have been doing their job as well. They have a 2.47 team ERA in the month of June, which is the winning streak with 119 strikeouts, 102 innings. So like it has been a full team effort. They have been raking. They have been um, fielding also um, at a solid level. And they've been pitching 
and you kind of have to do all those things, but uh, just to kind of marvel at the numbers, like that's a ludicrous profile. Yeah, man, they, they needed this. And as we kind of talked about at the top, we always knew the talent was there. This, this team, this roster was just too good to continue to find ways to lose games. And as you just noted by all those numbers, I, I team's really playing good baseball right now. There's no unforced errors. Michael Harris, again, I, I don't think it's a coincidence since he's come up. I believe the Braves are 13 and three, if my Sounds math is right. Sounds good to um, me. Again, he, I mean, he certainly doesn't get all the credit in the world, but man, uh, it's like he, he has fixed a lot of issues for this team. And then everybody else starts to hit like they're supposed to hit pitch like they're supposed to pitch. And, and here they are, as we said, 34 and 27. It's, it's a really good record. Of course, the Mets got off to such a strong start. There's still some, some ground to make up in the standings. Um, but even like around the rest of the National League, the Dodgers have hit a really bad skid. Yep. Uh, the Padres are good, maybe not great, but good. The Giants continue to do their thing. Uh, the, the Brewers were in a horrible losing streak up until now. So uh, just as we all kind of hoped and expected, the Braves are right in the mix. And hopefully uh, the schedule, as we'll talk about here, that the schedule continues to be pretty favorable for Atlanta and the Mets have uh, continue to have a little bit of, of some challenges coming up. So let's hope they keep chopping down that lead and, you know, we're about a month away from the all-star break. Hopefully it's a little bit less than five by the time we get there. Yeah. In general, the teams that are supposed to be good in the national league have been good. Um, not perfectly. So like, you know, the Mets have been playing very well until, you know, recently they've been kind of cooling off a little bit. Um, you mentioned the Brewers, the Carls are pretty good. The Dodgers are still really good. Even though they've been losing more recently, they're still, uh, they have a plus one Oh six one differential after 60 games. That's a crazy high number. Um, Padres giants, et cetera. But um, and the Phillies, Phillies. I was going to say the Phillies, the Phillies had their winning streak uh, collapsed in a big way with a 13 to one home loss today, but they had won nine games in a row. There was some crazy stats out there. I can't remember what they all were, but um, basically one of the stats was like the Braves and Phillies were both under 500 and then won at least nine games in a row at the same time. And it was like the first time since like 1890 something like it was one of those 100 year streaks up 200 years streaks, some, some, some crazy number um yeah they finally lost but even then the phillies who i don't really worry about to be candid their defense is so bad and all that stuff but they've they're 500 team they're not far behind the braves um but as you sort of alluded to the braves with this swing streak they were down 10 and a half games and now it could be as little as four and a half at the end of the night we're, we're recording this about 8 30 eastern so we're not going to have the end result of the mets game they have the night games that actually winning right now two to one in the fourth inning so they might win but either way, the Braves will have shaved off either five or six games off the Mets lead. And uh, that is a huge swing in a very small amount of time. And it wasn't as if the Mets have been playing terrible. They, 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 they did cool off. I think they're like five and five in their last 10. But that's just the Braves winning, man. They had to have one of these runs. And look, I think objectively speaking, like if you look at the, at the models or the projections, most of them still have the Mets as the favorite in the National League East. But it's not like it was two weeks ago, like they were a pretty big model favorite as you have to be when you're up, when you have a 10 and a half game lead. But now if you believe the Braves are the better team, as I think we both probably do, um, you know, four and a half games, five and a half games is a lot, but over this length of time, it's a hundred games left. Like that's plenty of time to make it up. Yeah. And I think so much of what will ultimately determine this race is if the Mets can stay healthy and, and, or get healthy. Right yeah. now, they, they don't have Scherzer, probably not going to have him for at least, I mean, it seems like they're targeting maybe the all-star break, um, maybe a little bit before then. Jacob deGrom, I mean, as talented as he is, and whenever he's on the mound, you have a really good chance to win. We'll see if he's able to get back on the mound. Um, you know, the Mets just have this lengthy run in them over the last, what, five, ten years now of just seemingly everything going wrong. Uh, blowing it 10 years how about how about how about how about 30 uh, well beyond 40. right yeah there you go um <laughs> i think uh you know the mets again if they can get everything working they can get to grom and scherzer healthy if they can keep the lineup healthy which has been a real problem they're really talented I, it's not yeah like obviously it's a braves podcast but like you know it's not crazy to say the mets are the better team but give me even with this five-ish game deficit the braves have with three and a half months to go and 15 games left between New York and Atlanta, by the way. 15. It's a lot that, of games. That's a huge factor, too. I'm glad you said that because, look, it would be hard to make up 10 and a half games over that. I mean, honestly, okay, if I asked you this question on June 1st, like what percentage chance do the Braves have to win the division? 
you have to say it was a pretty low number yeah, down like, 10 and a half games. That's, that's a massive deficit. Four and a half, five and a half. Like that's, that's a more manageable thing, especially when you play with a team so many times. And realistically, even if you think the Mets are talented and they are, like we'll call it, if you call it even, like just the randomness of it, like that's not that big of a lead in baseball. It's just not. So, yeah, I mean, and the Mets are the Mets. I mean, it's an, it's, a, it's an intangible factor. They have new ownership. They spend a lot of money. They have, I think, the number one payroll in baseball. They do have a lot of talent, but they do Mets their way around on occasion. So that's worth Met, it. Yeah, Mets their way around. Mets, that's well said. Uh, Mets uses a verb is always a fun thing to do, but yeah, it's also true. Yeah. All, all Braves fans know this by now. Um, it is. So looking ahead qu- quickly to this week, they play, uh, they're on the road again after this uh, friendly home stretch. The schedule still, though, not terribly difficult. They play the Nats. On the road, the Nats are currently in the basement of the National League East. They are not good. In fact, they have the second worst run differential in the National League right now. That's a bad baseball team. Um, nothing is assured by any means, but they, uh, I believe, yeah, the Nets have actually allowed the most runs in the National League. So they have the worst run prevention in the league. Um, and then they have an off day on Thursday to travel. And then, as you uh, aptly added, uh, it is Chip Carey season over the weekend as they go to, as they, as they go to Wrigley Field for, uh, for three against the Cubs. And the Cubs are not very good either. In fact, the Cubs have 23 wins and so do the Nats. So I think that objectively, this is a difficult, more difficult stretch than last week because it's all on the road. And I think that talent wise, I think the Nats and Cubs are better than the Pirates and uh, <laughs> better than, I mean, the Pirates are really bad, but you know, it's not a, uh, not tough other than, other than being on the road. I looked up the, the, uh, the betting odds for Monday only and the Braves are like a minus 160 favorite even on the road with, with Anderson pitching on Monday. So like they should on paper, if you do the averages, I think you probably go four and two as your projection for the week. That's how it usually works. Maybe closer to five and one than three and three. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds right. And you know, with the nationals, it's the same game. Don't let Juan Soto beat you. Like he is, he's their guy. He is the star and he's, he's gotten off. I mean, he got off to a pretty slow start for his big standards. And then, uh, but don't let Juan Soto be if, if Michael Franco wants to go 12 for 13, like he did earlier in the, uh, in the season, or if Nelson Cruz, who's like 42 wants to beat you, or (laughs) I think Cesar Hernandez, the old Phillies player is, uh, in that nationals lineup. Like just don't let Juan Soto beat you. Um, Tuesday night, we will get Max Freed against Steven Strasburg, which is uh, fun. So it, it is. I, I was going to ask you this because did you see – I know you're not dialed in all the time. Did you see any of Strasburg's first start back? He's not – so in not the great. last the last three years, he has made eight starts, and that includes the one he just made this last week. Uh, he had a lost season 2020. Uh, he pitched five times last year, looked bad, and got hurt and got shut down. This year, he finally came back last week. And did not look good. Uh, his his fastball is like way down velocity wise. He's like sitting, he's like sitting like 8990, which he can't probably do Ooh, effectively. Yikes. Like it was yeah, not and, good. Um, I didn't see that. That's yeah. Bad. So it's uh, I'm not saying he won't figure it out. And he's still obviously the you know, former number one overall pick and former like I mean, if anything, I think Strasburg was probably underrated for what he actually was in the major leagues for like a seven or eight year period because he got billed as like the next biggest thing in the world and he wasn't quite that, but he was pretty awesome like he was an all-star level guy for like seven or eight years um but yeah that might be actually a bigger advantage than you might think with obviously freed's better anyway but strasher he might be bad that that, i mean i'm not rooting for them that to happen he's not a guy that i have like any any disdain for um i know braves fans don't always like all of his uh, histrionics on the mound against the braves in recent years but uh that might be a huge advantage actually he might be he might be awful Hmm. we'll see yeah we'll see and hopefully you keep the good vibes going as you said at some point this, I mean, I would love to do another podcast with you next weekend and say we're at what seventeen in a row. That would be uh, okay. Wild. So what are, what are the what are the odds in your brain of the Braves winning the next six games? It's it's not high. It can't. Oh, be, no. It's not, it can't. Um, be I mean, is it possible? Sure. Sure it is. Um, yeah. Like was it was it Cleveland, the Indians slash Guardians that won like twenty games in a row a few years ago? Yeah, and you know, famously the A's won twenty plus in the Moneyball movie season. Yeah. Um, 20 yeah. years ago or so at this point, like it's, it's not impossible. And again, you know, the Cubs have lost six in a row right now. Uh, and the Nats are really bad. So like, if you wanted to yeah. lay it out, it's doable. Um, I mean, the odds of that have to be 5%, maybe less. Yeah. Um, yeah five, just, just because 10. of all of what happens there. So we'll see, but yeah, it'd be a lot of fun to do that podcast. 
um, even if they just win the next three, like on Thursday, they're in the off day. It's like um, something special is happening in Atlanta. You get, you get a lot of, you get a lot of those stories. I think if it, it finally made the national rounds this weekend, like, Hey, the Braves have won 10 in a row. Like what they, they, they've done what? <laughs> and huh. yeah, yeah, they're, uh, they're scorching. Oh, by the way, as a programming note, um, I know I sort of alluded to chip, chip carry season over the weekend, every game in the series against the Cubs is an afternoon game. It's 220, 220, 220 over the weekend. So Friday is a 220 start at Wrigley. So it's Saturday. Sunday is always an afternoon game almost, but uh, prepare, for, prepare yourself for some U.S. Open slash um, Braves Cubs afternoons over the weekend, Scott. I know you're dialed down the U.S. Open. You're excited about that. Big tennis, right? Big tennis, guys. Golf, golf, come on. Golf. Tennis oh, is later on. I'm going to get killed. No, it's okay. Um, Listen, uh, you already uh, – we were talking about the NBA and Slack today and uh, and also on Twitter, and you're you're definitely dialed in about the NBA. So we all know that. All in on the Finals NBA. Finals on Monday night. I, I do appreciate as a uh, as a – end of podcast note i kind of hate that they don't have an nba finals game tonight on sunday but it made my life easier to record this podcast with you so there's that yeah a little weird i i think the nba would want a sunday night versus a you monday i don't know um Plus. but yeah again i mean just come full circle three against the nationals three against the cubs neither team is very good neither team is really trying to win this year quite honestly no uh, the braves should probably be favored in all six of those games but uh, at some point, this win streak will come to an end. But if you can go four and two, maybe five and one, if you want to be greedy, uh, you take it. Hopefully you keep making up ground on everybody else and just keep winning games. You don't want to become fixated on the standings too, too much in the middle of June. Uh, you will go crazy, uh, but just keep winning, <laughs> yes. yeah, keep, keep winning games and yeah, win games. Good things happen. Yeah. To your point about them being favored in every game, I did a cursory look at who's going to pitch for the opposing team. I will, I will almost guarantee you this right now scott as the uh, as a pseudo um handicapping expert on this podcast um barring a brave starter getting scratched this week unexpectedly they'll be they'll be favored in every game this week. i'm very confident in that because they're, they're not facing any great starters like chicago's number one starter is kyle Hendricks, who like has been good in the past but has not been good this year that's the toughest matchup on paper of the entire uh of the entire week and that is uh anderson versus Hendricks. that's the closest that it might get but I think Anderson's uh, better than Hendricks at this point. And also the Cubs are the Cubs. So yeah, I would, I would wager the Braves are going to be favored in every game this week. Do they win them all? No, probably not, but we'll see. Yeah. The Cubs have some injuries too. I think Marcus Stroman is hurt. I think they're Saya, not very good either. Yeah. Say Suzuki, their, their big off season addition. I think he's hurt with a finger injury. So. Oh, no, uh, no uh, weird national TV games this week either. No, no Peacock game, no uh, Apple game. It is, uh, I believe it is just straight Bally goodness this week oh, more Brian, uh, more brian jordan for no, the people no, no, right. so, <laughs> i'm not touching that i leave that alone right now um okay that's it for me if scott if, if you have anything to add feel free i think we've probably we, we've probably covered the 11 game winning streak as well as we possibly can we're hoping for the, to continue on monday um if anything does crazy uh anything, anything crazy happens i should say this week uh i can guarantee you we'll have some podcast content from our friend sean coleman on the Daily Hammer, Road to Atlanta, I think is going to happen this week as well with Eric and friends. Um, and the, the MLB draft is like a month away, so that'll be coming up in the near future. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. But Scott, where can people find your stuff uh, other than Arizona basketball takes? What, what, what else you got? Scott Coleman 55 on Twitter. We have fun there. Fun. I don't know if fun, fun is always the right word. but Your Bill Nye, your Bill Nye gift today absolutely killed me. So I love uh, I love that Bill has caught on as, as William Contreras' nickname. It's so like, good. It's and I don't even know who like was the first one to be like, oh, we should call him Bill. Um, but it, I'm going to say it was, I'm going to say it was Eric Cole. I'm giving Eric credit. It probably wasn't. But I'm going to give Eric credit. Okay. Well, the podcast can take credit as a whole. There it is. How about that? Perfect. Um, but no, I mean, again, it's baseball seasons are long. There's a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Eleven game win streaks are about as good as it gets, um, especially for a team that just had some really frustrating losses. So, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Be sure to check out BatteryPower.com. Just Great content there every single day. Minor leagues, major leagues, news, recaps, uh, all for the price, as you say, Brad, of $0.00. So thank you, everybody. We really do appreciate the help and support. I think it's a pretty good deal. But yeah, I do. Uh, I would echo that. I do thank everyone for listening and subscribing. We've had a nice little bump during the wing streak. Uh, I'm sure you'll be surprised by this, Scott, as uh, I'm the one that sees the numbers for the most part on the podcast. When the Braves win, people listen to the podcast more. I know this is breaking news to everybody, but people like to listen to when they actually win baseball games and uh, it helps when they win. So obviously we're a little bit tied to that, but we do appreciate everyone supporting the show and uh, downloading. If you hate listening to lost podcasts, 
I do get that, but please download on multiple platforms. Tell your friends to do the same thing. And ratings, reviews, all that fun stuff. Scott and I will be back in the near future. Eric will be back in the near future. We'll have content. We're never going to go away. So please subscribe. That's why you get the podcast always is to go ahead and click that subscribe button. And thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you all next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.